Hello, this is the Fellowcast episode number 36 and today's episode is another Who's Who episode and our special guest today is Lynn Johnson. Lynn Johnson is an amazing person. She's just so passionate about living generously, living a hospitable life and this episode offers so much in practical wisdom, just life stories and just her heart for, for living a generous, hospitable life. So so get ready to really be impacted by this amazing woman who loves the Lord and who loves serving people through hospitality. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fellowcast. This is episode number 36 and we are uh, shifting gears from all the ask the pastor questions for a, for a change and it's another episode of Who's Who and I have Lynn Johnson with me today. I'm very excited to, to have her with me in my office and just a, a, I want to call it a short introduction but it really isn't a short introduction. Lynn is a wife, she's a mother, she's a grandmother, a speaker, a trainer, a businesswoman, a motivator, an author, and I included you a world traveler because you travel quite yes, a bit. definitely a world traveler. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and last but not least, uh, I, I found this on one of your bios. It says, uh, hospitality offering mother to many. So it seems like this list is endless, but welcome, Lynn Johnson. Thank you for, for joining me at the Fellowcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now you also need to add a Melkbos resident. Uh, there we go. That's yeah. the most important yeah. one. And, and anything else you wanted to add to that list or something that I missed or something that people should n know about Lynn Johnson that, that's important? Maybe it's it makes me sound as if I'm tired or tiring with such a long list. <laughs> <laughs> I used to teach primary school actually okay. at Fishhook Primary. So wow. I know Rob and Julie had a season in Fishhook and Fishhook is very close to my heart. Okay. So I used to drive from Landadno over Chapman's Peak as my daily commute. Wow. Back in the day. Beautiful. Yeah, exquisite. Unbelievable. You couldn't have a more beautiful yeah. one. Yeah. And was that round about the time, if people are listening, they'll know about Brett's story because he was on before you and, and he, uh, you remember he said he was a, a pastor in Outbay. Uh, yeah, that's right. So actually that was before Brett had okay. that responsibility but and overlapping. Okay. Yeah. But, but you we lived in Outbay um, for the first seven years of our marriage okay. before we moved. Okay, great. And then and then you moved to America. Was that the next move? We did. Um, I like to say God tricked us, although I don't <laughs> really think God tricks people. But um, we went for one year. And I think going to do something for a year, I was like, this is an adventure. But mm. I said goodbye to my mom and my dad, my twin sister, with her little baby, said goodbye to uh, sure. my family, Brett's family, and then took a three-year-old and a seven-month-old. And the one year turned into 30 years. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, a long time. And, and how did you experience America? Are you guys, are, I know you guys go back and forth quite a bit still, but, but how did you experience living there? Well, when we arrived, we knew nobody, literally nobody. It's actually the weirdest thing to walk in the streets knowing that you don't have to look at people's faces to see who you're going to recognize because yeah. you know you know no one yeah. when you're first there. <laughs> um, but we did, um, we started going to a local church. God did amazing preparation, actually. Somebody prophesied over us before we went yeah. that God was going to roll out a red carpet and it really was like that. We found a car, we found a school, preschool for our daughter. Over the road was a church. Sure. We found a house to rent all within just a few days. Lots of favor. Yeah, it was. And okay. then we started adjusting. And there are quite a lot of similarities. We were in the hardest Silicon Valley in California, so the weather was similar. Yeah. Um, and people were fascinated by us. I think that's most probably <laughs> the best experience. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And and I know this is probably not the easiest question to answer, but from your time there, you know, having lived there 30 years, being in a, in a different, it's not that different, but a different culture mm -hmm. nonetheless, what would you say is one of the kind of key things that you learned from your time living in the, in the States? Yeah. Well, obviously, the United States is a massive country, a massive continent. 
the area where we live, the county where we lived, has the highest number of single people in the whole of the United States. Sure. And so because of wow. the dot-com and then the Silicon Valley thing, lots and lots and lots of single people moved in there to d from different parts of the world. In fact, in San Jose, they teach English as a second language to over 880 people people groups. Wow. So you've got the nations actually converging there. And so what we ended up doing was having lots of single adults in their 30s and 40s yeah. from the different nations who ended up seeing our home as their home. Sure. And I love the cross-cultural thing. I mean, people ask, what do you miss mo most about the States? It's two things. Other than my family, <laughs> it's high-speed internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the second is Asian food. <laughs> okay. Because we had so many um, Asian people from different Asian nations in our lives. Sure, sure. And and uh, I touched on it with with Brett in our conversation. He mentioned that I think it was like three weeks after you got married, you already had the first person li living with you guys at home. So was that kind of like a a decision you had made uh, back then that this is this is who you are as a couple, and it just spilled over into your time in America, kind of organically. People just are attracted to that, or were you intentional about having people over, mm -hmm. focusing on the the singles? group how did that come about yeah well let me just maybe step backwards sure i think when brett and i started going out i was running a youth group in landano okay. and brett came alongside to help me i mean the joke is he told me this youth group needs some good leadership <laughs> which was how we sort of started our relationship <laughs> and of course there's a story behind that one but um we began, we didn't go on dates. We basically filled our car with ourselves and then all the teenagers that we could squeeze in. Yeah. So we actually built our relationship in the context of doing ministry. Sure. And that just flowed over. And so we got married and the thought was that our first house, we was tiny, 70 squares, 700 square feet for Americans. Yeah. And we thought, oh, this is our office, a bedroom and an office. And the Lord clearly said, no, put a bed in there, it's a spare bedroom. Yeah. And so my parents had... We'd had an open house when we were growing up. They didn't mind all the teenagers hanging around. And Brett's family also had a very open house. They hosted like the most fun parties in Landadna when we were growing up and so okay. on. And so I think that just flowed, flowed into our marriage that the Lord said, no, no, no. And so we started having people stay. And then when our baby was born, that they didn't stay then any longer. Yeah. But people just would feel free to pop in and so okay. on. And then when we got to the States... Initially, we expected to receive more hospitality. And I think the concept that South Africans have of popping in was not really something that people did. I okay. know in some parts of the U.S., maybe the Midwest, people do it. But people were so busy, they didn't do the pop-in thing. Yeah. And eventually, we realized we can start inviting people to us rather than asking, waiting for people to invite us yeah. to them. Wow. And then kind of changing culture in, in many ways then. Yes, yeah. I think so. I think we just realized I mean, part of kingdom culture is mm. we need to live generously. And we, the way you impact people is by opening your heart to them, mm. learn, loving them, just being kind, yeah. being neighborly. And all of that has an impact. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're obviously passionate about hospitality. I think that's one of the, the main <laughs> things I yeah. want to talk to you about today. But but how did you recognize it and how did you go about then, you know, responding to this this passion in your in your heart or living it out? Mm -hmm. um, I know you mentioned your families and how you grew up. You obviously played a role. But but how how do you go about did you go about responding to this passion of hospitality? Yeah. Nevalda, there was somebody that had a massive impact on me, and they don't know this. In fact, I should, I'm not even certain if they're live anymore. I should really track them down yeah. and tell them. <laughs> but this couple came to our church. This was before I was married. This was a long time ago. And they, t they were from Pretoria. They were related to somebody in our church. And they talked about the fact that they had a hospitality ministry where they had a flat, a granny flat or something hmm. above the garage and they used to open that up to t 
retired missionaries, people that needed somewhere to come and stay. Yeah. And as they shared the, the stories and the power of this practice they had, something stirred in me. And I remember saying to the Lord, I want that. I would mm. love to have a ministry of hospitality. Sure. Not even fully knowing what it was, but I actually prayed that prayer early on. I didn't want the white picket fence married life where we just do what everybody else did. I wanted yeah. to make a difference. I wanted our marriage to make a difference. And so I think that um, sort of that word also planted a seed in my life. And yeah. I remember saying to Brett when we'd been in the U.S. for three years and we'd had over 60 staying guests. There's <laughs> a case of, oh, we know, now know someone in San Francisco. We can go visit, you know, yeah. that type of thing. I said to Brett, do you think we maybe have a ministry of hospitality? Yeah. He laughed at me. He was like, duh, yeah. you know. But I think it was that. And so I don't know that it was, let's write it down on a piece of paper as an intentional thing. It was mm. just, we had done it. We had lived it. Mm. We grew the church, the youth group, we discipled people by just having them close up personal yeah. in our lives. And when we got to the U.S., we realized, oh, my other people aren't doing this. We just are going to start doing it ourselves. Mm. And it just grew from there. Okay. You know, often following God, you don't have a big, long plan. Yeah. You just do the next thing he puts in front of you yeah. and you take it forward from there. Yeah. It's beautiful to hear kind of how you mentioned 60 people in what three years. It's it's incredible. I don't think most well, people that listen to this would have maybe had one person. Yeah. And, and that was, it went up from there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> would you mind sharing one of those kind of success stories, so to speak, of, of what some of these? Because you mentioned uh, single couples. And I know Brett said about you, you you guys have actually married people from out of your home yes. through through that time that they've spent and with who they've met and so on. Share maybe some of those success stories. Well, let me just preface it by saying that hospitality is always sacrificial. Mm, yeah. So a success story actually sits on the back of sacrifice. Okay. And it's not only sacrifice for the person offering hospitality. I think when you have someone um, into your home for an extended period of time, there's a growth process that they go through and there's a learning process and a sacrifice for yeah. them to and a humility to learn as yeah. well. And, you know, having someone actually live in your home is only part of hospitality and not everyone's able to do that. So I'm sure we'll talk about some other practical things. Yes, absolutely. But just from us, we've had the opportunity. I'll, I'll tell you two different stories. Yeah. We had the daughter of some friends of ours that were involved um, in our ministry and she'd finished university, didn't know what she was going to do with herself. And the parents said to me, she really needs, she needs some life discipleship really mm. more than anything mm. and suggested that she came and stayed with us. And in this case, it was very difficult. Kay. It was difficult for her. She was homesick. She was in a new context while she was staying with us. Her, sister, her first sister had a baby. She really wanted to be back home. Yeah. And it was difficult for me as well because she'd actually grown up in a context where they'd had a maid. She hadn't had to do okay. anything. She came as my hospitality intern. And it was difficult for her to wash dishes, make beds when someone had done that for her most yeah. of her life. And I had to also learn to speak openly and sometimes um, directly when I'm an indirect communicator and yeah. I want everybody to be happy and I don't like stirring the waters yeah. and I actually had to go to her and say you know when you do this this is not a good attitude or when you when you say that this is not helpful okay. so I had to grow she grew and at the end of the time I think she spent about nine months with us she wrote a beautiful letter and subsequently is married and has a family sure. and she talks back which talks to me about what she learned, how she grew, the skills that she got. Mm. And it actually opened a door for her when she went back to her home country to get a job that she would never normally have got. Yeah. And from that job, an even better job that in a profession that she's in right sure. now. Um, another case was a young woman from Indonesia who came and stayed with us and she actually stayed for an extended period of time and she worked on our staff and lived with us at the same time. Okay, wow. And she'd not 
actually ever experienced family life. She'd been sent off to boarding school as a young girl. Mm -hmm. She'd then come, so she'd spent her whole middle and high school really away from family in a boarding school situation. She'd come over to the U.S. to study and had actually not had contact with her parents for 10 years. Wow. Not even spoken to them wow. actually, and during that, towards the end of that period of time, she'd become a believer, and heard about our training, went through our training remotely, and then asked, could she come and live with us? And it was initially only going to be a short period of time, and in total, it ended up being, um, maybe five years wow. or something <laughs> like that. And we moved house, and she moved with us, and then at some point, we actually moved in with her wow. after she'd lived with us, and um, through the years. There were practical things that she'd never learned at home, like fill up the water jug when it's empty, (laughs) through to actually learning how not to be quiet all the time as an introvert in her room, but to come and engage with the family and what it looked like to actually relate and so on. And she grew and we grew having her there and she added so much to us and to our work life, our personal life and our community. And then she actually ended up marrying one of the guys in our staff or we, and we did the wedding and they have a little baby. And so they absolutely feel like family to yeah, us. Wow. That's amazing stories, just the, those two in itself. And besides the obvious, I mean, benefits and a kind of a reciprocal blessing that yes. it is to, to both parties yes. involved with this uh, hospita- hospitality. Why why else would you say it is so important uh, to having hospitality as mm. a kind of a, a core value? I, I don't want to jump ahead, but um, like you you came to, to, to do a little um, s- session at one of our stu- study times and it really impacted me so much. I still have the, the little uh, letter that someone gave me that night and... And it was so interesting because it was something so simple that you guys did uh, do. Those who are listening, you guys came in and you gave us you gave us a cooked meal. It was very nicely on a tray, on a tray, yeah. very nicely presented. Nothing out there, but but special mm. with a with a personalized note. Mm. And even speaking about it now, when I get emotional, mm. I don't know why, but mm. it impacted me so much mm. to actually understand that hospitality has the power of God behind it. Yes, that it's not just a a nice thing that Christians should do. And yeah. and you, you lifted up out a couple of scriptures that evening, yes. I think in Titus and, and yeah. so on, with regards to church leaders. Mm-hmm. And that impacted me so much to go like, you have to be hospitable. That yes. made me move my home group, life group into my home. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. We've been doing life group at home ever since. Yeah. And, and we share meals together and, and things like that. And yeah. it's really changed the way that you interact with people. And and I know I'm, I'm just saying saying a lot of things now, but from your side, besides those things, why would you say hospitality is so important for? And is it just for certain people? Yeah, well, I that's could a loaded question. I, I could <laughs> actually talk about this for a whole week, but um, I'm going to just say, well, to start off with, the Bible actually commands us to be to pr- practice hospitality. Yeah. It says, just says, be hospitable. Mm. Full stop. So we actually don't have an option because it's a command. Yeah. All right. But none of us like to do something because it's a command. <laughs> yeah. But it's a command with so many amazing benefits and mm. so much amazing fruit. I just want to tell a story, if it, if if I may, yeah, that absolutely. actually impacted what we did with those trays. Mm. And I tell the story whenever I teach about hospitality because. I read this years and years ago, and it actually impacted me deeply. And this is a story um, about Edith Schaefer, Francis Schaefer's wife. Some people might have read Francis Mm. Schaefer's books. I'm not smart enough to understand, (laughs) but I love Edith Schaefer. She passed away just recently. And when Francis and Edith were first pastoring during the Depression in the United States, they had a church right near a, a train station. And in that period, there were so many unemployed people and these men, they called them hobos, used to ride the rails Mm. going from town to town trying to find work. And regularly, Edith would have a man arriving at her doorstep asking, um, please, have you got any work? And she'd tell them, just wait outside. She'd go inside. She'd put on the stove to warm some soup. She'd slice some tomatoes. She'd make a sandwich. She'd send one of her children into the back garden to pick a little flower, some ivy. She'd wrap the ivy around the flower. She'd get a little stub of a candle. She'd put a linen cloth on a tray, add a Gospel of John, light the candle, put the warmed soup, put the sandwich, the little sprig of flowers, and she would carry the tray outside. 
and hand it to the person and a grown man would begin to weep. Not weeping just because he got a bowl of soup, Mm. but actually the fact that she saw him as a person of value. Mm. She saw him as somebody that actually was worthy of being treated like that. And Mm. so when I teach this, I ask people, and I'm going to ask you this, Valda, how much longer do you think it took her to put it on the tray than to put the soup in the mug and take the mug and the sandwich out? Mm. How long? Probably not that much longer. Two minutes. Two minutes. Mm. Especially if one's in the practice of doing it. Right? You know, here's my tray. Here's my little tray cloth. Two minutes. Yeah. But the actual power of doing that. And so in that, this is one of the teachings that I do, is the golden and silver thread. The big, thick golden thread is the fact that she was willing to share her limited food, Mm. stop in the middle of a busy day, warm the soup, make the sandwich, the loving act of feeding someone. The the thinner silver thread, and I'm waving my hands in there (laughs) to explain this, The thinner silver thread is the touches of beauty and creativity that say you are worth something, you have value. Mm. And so I just believe that as we open our hearts towards people, God wants us to be generous people, Mm. not Mm. just with our money, our privacy, our time, our our emotions, our intellect, just what do we have to share to be generous? then we can also see, along with that golden thread of opening our heart to people, how do we add the little silver thread, those little touches to say, you know what, I'm going to come pick you up at the airport and before I jump in the car, I'm going to put a bottle of cold water there so that you've got something to drink on the way home. It's the little touches, the little thoughtful touches, and those things just go deep into people's hearts. Still emotional. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. I don't know why, but it's yeah. it's incredible the power that that has. Yeah. Because I think that's I think that's again everyone wants to feel yeah. special. Yeah. Um, and that's what it does. That's what yeah. it did for me that night. Even though I didn't think I needed it. I, no. I mean, I was yeah. c- completely content. Yeah. And when that plate came, that tray came, something yeah. shifted in me. It was like, yeah. wow. Th- these people actually, even though they did, uh, maybe, well, she knew she was going to give it yeah. because my name was on there. Mm-hmm. But it was so, um, the little small touches, yeah. the little um, personal touches that make yeah. makes that difference. So. Just the background on the trays was I asked the people that had come um, and attended the Hardest Experience that I teach yes. where we talk about the trays and we actually do a practical hands-on on trays. Okay. I gave each person a name. Um, from the people on the staff asked them to pray about that person and to prepare a tray that for them expressed yeah. how they saw the person so it was personal yeah. personalized does the person love surfing oh. it had a sea theme and waves and so on but just yeah. to put the thought into it and you know what Waldo they got more joy out of doing it even than the people receiving it. And in fact, I've got this little movement happening around the world of people giving trays to people. Yeah, and just recently I actually did a weekend with a group of 20 women from Atlantis and I taught them how to do the tray exercise and it was so cool that actually I had some of them come around and have tea with me afterwards and I said, how's it been going? You know, have you been able to implement any of the things you were taught? And one of the girls told me that down the road there's a lady who's in a wheelchair without her, she doesn't have her legs, maybe through diabetes or something. And she made her tray and took it, walked down the road with the tray and took the tray to this uh, Omar down the road and blessed her. You know, and a tray can be a breadboard. It can be a piece of cardboard covered in some birthday wrapping paper. It doesn't have to be expensive. It's the little touches um, of beauty and creativity. Absolutely. So having said the whole thing of it is for everyone, I, I fully agree that being hospitable is not a and it's not an option no. and an added extra. It's actually part of who we should be, especially as Christians. Yeah. E- even even the more, what are some some practical tips on on how people can be more hospitable besides something like you know using things like the tray? Yeah. What are some other practical things that that you've um, kind of implemented in your life? Yeah. Can I just do one little, one more teaching point first? Absolutely. You know, when you start to teach on something, I'm sure you've experienced this as well, Valda, as you start to teach and you dig in the scriptures and you start to share, your eyes get opened up more and more to something. And this whole concept of a prepared place, 
is something that's become very real to me. Mm. And I just want to take you like through a quick journey of time from eternity to eternity. Okay. <laughs> that one won't take us long, right? God actually prepared a place and put Adam and Eve into a prepared place mm. from the Garden of Eden being ready with the trees and the seed-bearing plants and the fruit and the animals and man and woman together so they wouldn't be lonely and his own presence in the garden with them. Mm. He didn't put them into the place that the Bible describes before when it was without form and void. Mm. He put them into a prepared place. So go to the end of time and there's going to be another amazing event. And that's the marriage feast of the Lamb. And right now, that is being prepared. Those of you that have planned a wedding (laughs) know how much goes into that. And the crazy thing about it is right now, Jesus has two job descriptions. He has the job description of being an intercessor. But the other job description that he has is he's preparing a place. Mm. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And we know that Psalm 23 says that he sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies. But Jesus right now is actually preparing a place. So whenever you're preparing a place, you're doing the same role that Jesus does. It's like a holy activity. So let me give you a practical example. I don't like changing beds. I think... Changing a bed requires so much physical energy, mm. especially a bunk bed. <laughs> and you've got to climb up yeah. and pull the sheets over. Every time I change a bed, I realize I'm preparing a place for my children, mm. for my husband, for a guest. Every time I actually put the knives and forks and a plate on the table, it's a holy activity. Mm. It's preparing a place. And if we realize that we actually, when we prepare a place, are involved in holy work, Mm. it changes our view of it. So in order to have a prepared place, we have to start with our own hearts. Is my heart prepared? Maybe you've got a difficult person coming around for dinner Mm. or somebody where you're nervous about them being there. You know, maybe maybe you're hosting your boss and his family and you're nervous about it. Or maybe your in-laws or maybe you've got a difficult teenager. Start with your own heart. Get your heart prepared. And then when you actually prepare a place, walk around spiritually. Invite God's presence to fill the place. And then when you do the practical work, you know you're involved in a spiritual exercise and it actually makes a difference. And I just want to also say, we can create a prepared place at work for the, you know, many of us work. Pray over your desk. Just pray that when someone even comes to ask a question at your desk, they'll sense God's presence. Instead of taking your own lunch and sitting in the car or walking down the road on your own to go and pick up a coffee or, or locking the door and staying in your own room, One way you can offer hospitality is grab somebody else. Say, hey, you want to walk with me to get a coffee? Mm. Or why don't we both go and sit outside in the sun and eat our lunch together? Mm. It takes a bit of effort. It takes putting our own little to-do list aside. But we can actually offer hospitality in the context of work. It makes it so much easier, more accessible for everyone. It's not a a special gifting. I believe there's an anointing sometimes that flows just even with how I've been reminded of that time just by what you've mentioned now doing doing those practical things is what I believe gives that person that receives it that amazing blessing and that sense of wow this was actually prayed over Mm -hmm. God's presence is on it Mm -hmm. God is here you know there's so much that actually goes into it behind the scenes and then then the the tip of the iceberg is just that amazing experience that you have from something that can be very simple as covering a bed or making a bed yeah it really is awesome you know Valda I want to say to people that we have to differentiate between entertaining and hospitality Because, and look, some of it's semantics, but let's just do it this way. Entertaining is, it's about me. It's either I want you to come and see my nice place, my nice dishes, my good cooking, or it's about me, but inverted. I don't want you to come to my place because... I don't have a good enough place. I don't know how to cook. Mm. My, I don't have matching dishes. My couch is old. It's all about me. Mm. Hospitality is, it's about you. Sure. And how can I make you feel welcome in my home? How can I be 
a blessing to you. What do you need? And you know, that at times can be scaling down on what you would normally do. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've had to do this. I've had, I've done presentations where I haven't taken my my laptop and shown any photos of what I do in my house or what I do because I love to sit at a table. I'm creative. Hmm. I haven't shown any of that because that would make people feel inadequate. Yeah. And if those folks came to my house, I would do the simplest thing, maybe even use paper plates hmm. because it's about them and them feeling comfortable. Yeah. So I think when we differentiate, then we come on to what's true hospitality. Hmm. Do you know that there are teenagers that would love to have a listening adult who's not their parent say to them, hey, you want to come around for hot, hot cocoa and we'll just chat? Mm. Or there's a single mom who would love to go and just sit at someone else's table on her way back from work and picking the kids up at daycare and not have to walk in and think. Even if the whole meal is just spaghetti bolognese, come in and let you go off to your house mm. The moment you've finished eating, not let's stand around and eat appetizers and then it's eight o'clock and we'll have the formal entertaining yeah. dinner. <laughs> That's not what it's about. Yeah. And what about sing older people, lonely people? Just add them into your life. Mm. You know, we had this woman at our church who was almost homeless. She actually ended up at some point, people ousted her from the apartment, the flat she was re- renting that was rent controlled and she couldn't afford anything. And she lived in a shack behind someone's garage and she'd come to church and had actually been a brilliant concert pianist traveling around Europe and it fell on hard times and now was a homeless person. And we got into the habit of taking her home with us after church on a Sunday. And she was, she was strange. (laughs) And my kids, you know, kids don't actually mind strange people the (laughs) way adults do. My kids didn't mind her at all. And one day it was really hot and she said, I love to swim. And she was large. She didn't have a swimsuit with her. She couldn't have fitted into one of ours. So I said, let's swim. And I jumped into the swimming pool in my clothes. (laughs) And then my kids jumped in and she jumped in. We had her for Thanksgiving. We had her for Christmas. I actually almost killed her with giving her bronchitis because I had this brilliant idea of being outside at Christmas under the stars. And this is in California. was freezing cold, middle of winter. But you know what? You can add in needy people in with your family and your children learn compassion that way. Okay. I've got lots more to say, but I'm going to cut it down. No, you you have freedom. (laughs) No one is in... This is... You've got time. If you need to say more, you can go for it. But let's let's kind of segue on to the the next thing for a moment and just to to speak on how all of this that you've kind of built up over the years now you've just naturally done this Mm. um how it's turned into a ministry um, called artistry um and and it says yeah it's a it's a business that you started by focusing on inspiring and equipping generous living and true hospitality would you would you like to tell us more about artistry and yeah well, um, people can check out hardestry.info, and I've got a blog, and I've got resources. Mm. I think that there are two main reasons why people don't practice hospitality, and the one is they don't have a vision. Mm. Because if you really saw how God can use you, and you really saw the impact for evangelism, for the gospel, mm. for discipleship, for building up the body of Christ, for actually strengthening your family, for helping to raise kids that are not self-centered yeah. get me onto that one <laughs> and i'll need another whole podcast <laughs> on what hosp- how hospitality impacts children's lives yeah. and we we sort of cotton wool our kids mm. to raise these kids when we actually need to expose our kids sure. to the needs of the world to stretch their little hearts to start being compassionate from when they're young mm. another whole topic but um, and we need to write it yeah, down another topic Part two. yes and so i think that um, people don't have the vision and then people might want to do it but they don't have the skills they've either grown up in a family where they, maybe their mother was perfectionistic and said don't come in the kitchen or it's a, m- a man I mean men need to be as hospitable as women mm. yeah, actually I think men need to be more hospitable as women unless all our elders and deacons are women yeah <laughs> True story. If you switch to have all elders and deacons as women, we'll let men off the hook Mm. from being hospitable. (laughs) But the Bible says, be hospitable. It's one of the requirements for being an elder and a deacon. Mm. One of the requirements for leadership. So men and women can feel like they don't have the skill, 
because they haven't practiced or they or they set to higher standard and they have this image it needs to be be something so what i'm passionate about is giving people a vision for it mm. and then helping people overcome the hurdles okay. by giving practical skills so i've got resources and we teach classes we do a one week long amazing event in the south of france and i'm hoping also this coming year to do mornings and um, some one-day events. Okay. So if people are interested in attending something, to just sign up for our newsletter yeah. at hardestry.info. Okay. And then when I'm going to host something, I'll let people know. Awesome. And the fun thing was last week and weekend, I trained my first group of trainers. Wow. People who've come and attended the week-long event. And I had 20 people who I'm now actually training to start teaching this in different parts of the world. Mm. So I'm excited about oh, that. So it's expanding. Expanding. Reaching into the, yeah. the nations. Yes. That's really awesome. Wow. And and um, so can anyone sign up for these trips? I know you have the South of France trip. And I've spoken to a couple of people, uh, you know, the, the that night with the trays with some of those people that came through. Yeah. Um, how, how do you, other than you know, just reading the newsletter, is it is it open to anyone or, or to, to go on these trips? The Yes, the trips are open to anyone. Okay. We've had couples, we've had single men come on their own. I've had a father and daughter, men, women. I've had people from Indonesia, India, mainland China, Hong sure. Kong, Taiwan, a Swazi princess, wow. people from the US, people from Canada, um, South Africa, yeah. and the cross-cultural experience has been great for people. Okay. And it's like an immersion experience. We actually receive hospitality from the culture in France, yeah. which you could, was fantastic. And we serve. We put on two events, yeah. and we actually learn, and then we do some tourist activities. So it's it's wonderful. But I'm hoping this next year to be able to build out some other shorter things that people yeah. can attend now that we're going to be spending more time here in Malkbos. Yeah. And um, so there's definitely that available. And then there's res lots of different resources on the website, free resources. I've got um, my ten top, top 10 hospitality tips on my YouTube channel, okay. each only 10 minutes long. What's your YouTube channel? It's Hardestry. Okay. Yeah. And so you can, Hardestry, the art of welcome. So okay. people can just actually access, and I'd love people to access the resources. Great. And it's all free. All it's free. All fantastic. The trips are not free, but no. all the resources <laughs> online are free. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have yeah. uh, enough no airplanes to, know, to, to fly to France. Yeah. And and I see you also. Um, you wrote a book called uh, "Set a Simple Table." It's so actually a booklet. Okay. There's booklet. a difference in a book and a booklet. Maybe one day I'll write a book. A full book. But that's actually if people sign up to get the newsletter, they can download the free podcast. Okay. And I just took my ideas of well, I just took what is the m the most simple way in which you can set a table, mm. and I've done it over and over and over and over. And so just like let me tell people some of the simple tips that mm. I've done. And hopefully it's helpful and it's fun. It's got pictures. People are okay. welcome to just download it. I love how generous you are with your wisdom and with your experience because uh, I think it speaks more than one booklet <laughs> for of, of who you are because I think that's, it's so beautiful that your hospitality and the generosity comes through in in what you offer as well. It's not it's not I don't I don't hear it's like a money making thing. It's really just this is your heart. This is what you want to share. This is your ministry. I know Brett spoke about you know work. Your work is your ministry, mm -hmm. and if you can have have that kind of attitude about it, it changes the way that you you share what you have because you you can't not see people not have it. Yeah. I think. Can I just mention also mm. um, work and hospitality? I've actually worked with companies on how to create an atmosphere of hospitality so that when their clients and their customers wo walk in, they can they can sense it, they can feel it, they feel welcome, they feel at home. Mm. There's a lot of practical stuff around customer care, customer welcome, as well as creating an atmosphere of honor, of affirmation, of yeah. celebration with your staff. Yeah. So I am available as well to okay. go and meet and do um, corporate type of workshops. And um, I've done it in the US and I'm going to build it put all the information available here because I actually, that's something too, when someone, mm. if you own your own business and you want your business to be glorifying to God and you want the people that work for you to feel like they're part of your household, which they are, yeah. there's some very good, easy, practical tips yeah. to help people feel like they're not just going to work, but they belong there. They, 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 their heart gets filled as well as yeah. 
them just working they leave feeling that they've received something from being in the work yeah. environment so that that sounds like an interesting i don't want to call it a course but yes kind it of is yeah it is would be like a, a it's a workshop a yeah. workshop yeah mm-hmm. and do, does that go kind of hand in hand with with the um, repurposing businesses is that one of the kind of legs or arms or fingers yes, it would it would be um, i think a lot of the hospitality practice actually grew for me and for us as a family in the context of the repurposing business okay. because we started doing the repurposing business training in our home in 2003 mm. and people walked in holding their bag of Kentucky Fried Chicken or their Taco Bell or something that they'd picked up on their way from work. And I thought, oh, no, we can't do this. So I said to everyone, don't worry, I'll make a pot of soup. And then it grew from there. The pot of soup happened, and I thought, oh, we just did pot of soup, and now it's coming up to St. Patrick's Day. I'll cook corned beef and cabbage and try and make an Irish meal. I don't know much about Irish, (laughs) but, you know, then I put... tried at least. Yeah, and then I put a green tablecloth on the table, and we all had fun. And then I was like, oh, it's coming for Easter. What can I do? And so actually people started talking more about the food and the hospitality. Now, bear in mind, this is a software engineer who's 30 (laughs) who normally just goes past the pick-and-pay equivalent to pick up a salad. And now he's walking into our house. The table is set, the warm smell of the food. People came for the hospitality, and then they told other people, hey, you know, there's this business training, but it's amazing. They feed you every week. It's like a family. It's like a family. And so we built it out. And then I had volunteers and built up a team of people to help me and they had fun doing it and we put our creativity into it and so then we also realized that hospitality is the glue between the four c's brett talks about career calling creativity and community and when you put hospitality in the middle you glue those together and instead of your your family never gets to know your work colleagues or you never get a chance to actually build community when you're working on your career. Mm. As you think about hospitality, you pull those things together. And so whenever we consult with companies, which we do now, to get businesses aligned to biblical principles, we talk about hospitality. Mm. And it starts with the whole concept of household. Mm. You know, Abraham had a household, I think it was 1,700 males. You know, you and your whole household will be saved. The Philippine um, jailer and his household. So when we start thinking about our business as a household, like a big family, we can start incorporating hospitality in different ways. It doesn't mean you have to feed people every day, but how are we intentional about adding in those touches of thoughtfulness, beauty, creativity, and care into a work context as well? Yeah, I'm I'm just thinking, as you you mentioned mentioned those four C's and and hospitality, how the church is actually the the kind of easiest place to, to make those things come to pass, but in many ways, we the church often veers away from that uh, and in 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 all of those aspects but within the community of church there's actually a great opportunity for these things to to become reality mm-hmm. and not just mm-hmm. a nice concept mm-hmm. yeah um, or the the next you know ngo does it better yeah. or that person does it better but where we actually take up that responsibility mm-hmm. and live it out in our households and yeah. expand it from there i mean i think as the role, the church's role is to equip people. We mm. know that is equip, equip the saints. And yeah. I think if we could really equip the body of Christ to know how to reach out to their neighbors. Mm. Imagine if every person that listens to this podcast and loves Jesus in the next two months invited all their neighbors <laughs> at some point to come for a coffee or a meal. Yeah. And I was teaching for five years and then stopped teaching just before I had my family. And I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, love your neighbors. And I knew he meant my literal neighbors. And I was so blessed to lead my Jewish neighbor behind me to Christ. My Jewish neighbor in front of me to Christ. (laughs) And my neighbor next to me, who was a believer, we got him involved in church and helped disciple him. And I had a vineyard on the other side. That's and that amazing. was just from focused attention sure. because I knew it was my goal. Yeah. So when my Jewish neighbor in front of me, who back in the day when you weren't allowed to have cordless phones, had a cordless phone, and she'd want to chat to me while she was bathing her daughter and preparing her dinner, and I was stuck to the wall with a cord. Yeah. I know the young people don't realize, but that's how <laughs> the phone used to work. 
my mind said, I don't actually feel like having an hour and a half long conversation when I have got things to do at five o'clock in the evening. Yeah. But I knew what God had told me was to to actually love my neighbor. So I listened to her, spent yeah. time, built relationship, and had the privilege of leading her to Christ. Wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. So, you know, you've mentioned in just in this short conversation so many different nationalities and, mm. and countries and whatever. Mm. Just as an interesting fact, um, in your opinion, who, who uh, would you classify as the most naturally hospitable or generous kind of nation or country? Well, Valda, I have friends all over the world and I'm not going to offend <laughs> any of them, but I want to, I'll just tell you a few different things. Okay. In Indonesia, you have to charge to pay the bill or be sneaky and pretend that you're going to the bathroom Yeah. because they will not let you pay for anything. Uh, Indonesia. In Indonesia wow. with that, um, amazing food and incredibly generous in that way. Mm. In India, my Indian friends that I met over 10 years ago still pray for me on a daily basis. Wow. And they might not have much wealth-wise and live in small homes, but the love and the friendship and the prayer mm. is one of the greatest gifts of hospitality that sure. you could ever have. And then I have to say my Nigerian friends, we experience generosity in Nigeria unlike anything we'd ever experience anywhere in the world. Wow. I just want to say this because sometimes people think negatively about Nigerians. Yeah. Unbelievably over-the-top generous. Sure. And can pray up a storm <laughs> with so much faith. So I think I'm just mentioning a few. God has put aspects of his character in every nation of the world. Yeah. I've traveled to over 40 nations. Wow, what a privilege. It is an amazing privilege. And the worst thing to do, here's a not what not to do. When you go into countries, the worst thing to do is to say, back at home in my country, we don't do that. And you mm. go in with pride and superiority. Yeah, and arrogance. Arrogance. <laughs> if you go in willing to eat their food, Jesus says, eat what's put in front of you yeah. to start with. I was in Madagascar three weeks ago. I ate pig's ears for the first time. <laughs> there was a delicacy that they served to me. Sure. I wouldn't choose to eat them again. But I ate them. Yeah. And... I was honored that they served me. So if you go into a country wanting to learn, God has put aspects of his character mm. in each different people group in the world. You know, one day we're going to stand with every tongue, tribe, and nation. Mm. Can you imagine that? And every tongue, tribe, and nation is not the same. We're not the same, but it's a kaleidoscope together. We make up the glory of God. So if you go into a context looking for the glory of God in the people group, mm. you're going to see that demonstrated in different ways sure. so if we had longer i could tell you yeah. the glory of god <laughs> in this place one, this yeah. place this place yeah. amazing awesome um wh what else are you passionate about you know what what do you do for fun besides <laughs> hosting people and <laughs> what do i do for fun um well i love spending time with my family if i could uh you asked, you know, the superpower question. I know that's your next one yeah. to ask me. But if I could push a button yeah. and just be with my daughter to have a fall dinner at her house or be with my grandchildren, push the button and be where they live on the East Coast, the U.S., to spend time with them, yeah. I would do that. So my most joyous thing is when I can get my whole family around one table, which okay. doesn't happen very often because we spread around the world. Yeah. Um, I love doing creative things i love to paint okay. if i need to just do something i and my treat to myself sometimes on a sunday afternoon if i don't have something that i need to do is pull out some paints i'm not very good but i love but to you do enjoy it. it yeah i love to do it and i think through the years one of the reasons why setting the table has been important to me we haven't owned our own home for 18 years sure so you can offer hospitality even if you don't have your own place. Yeah. In fact, we've had long seasons when we haven't even had a rented home where we've house sat and moved from place to place. Okay. And that's another whole story. But I could always put something beautiful and creative on the table. Mm. I couldn't hammer nails into the wall to hang a picture when I was renting somebody else's house. Mm. But I could actually express my creativity on a flat surface mm. Of a table. Different kind of canvas. Different ki definitely, different kind of canvas. So we're all creative in different ways, but I love to express my creativity and just being able to, to see other people get joy out of it. Mm. 
is what I love. Okay. And then second to last question. Uh, let's, let's do the superpower one now. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Yeah, other than being part of your prayer ma healing ministry and seeing everybody healed Amen. and Amen. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely to push a button and instantly be somewhere else. Yeah. Just because I've got precious, precious people that I love like family, mm. plus my family spread all over the world. I'd be in India to see Nachi, who's like my Indian son, his new baby. Mm. I'd push a button and I'd be somewhere else to go and pray with a friend that's struggling. That's what I'd like yeah. to do. Wow. That's a, a very noble superpower. No, it's not noble. <laughs> it's not noble. It's, it's amazing. Awesome. It's yeah. amazing to go and be with people you love. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then just to, to kind of close it out, I know there's so much more we can talk about and I'm really hoping that we can. Um, I'm sure we will make some time again. Um, but w if you had to kind of, gi kind of give one thing that, that you would say, what is, what is the most important thing that anyone should know when it comes to hospitality? If you had to single out something. Mm. I would say hospitality is a practical expression of the heart of God. It's making God's life real and practical. Mm. I have an expression, and it's my little trademarked expression, but it's bless, not impress. And mm. God gave that to me. And I think if we set out to bless, it's not about impressing. And we, we, we ask God, just give us ways to show who you are in mm. our everyday life. That's really what hospitality yeah. is. Sure place not impressed you won't believe just as you said that now i saw that somewhere i don't know if it was on your artistry in instagram or on brett's but I, I couldn't find it for the life of me yesterday i think it's like made in wire yes it's on a bicycle that a friend made for yes me on I my website couldn't yeah. find it and now you just mentioned it in yeah. the last sentence of the yeah, day so god, god gave me that place not impressed and i impress. think that really, I know it sounds a little bit cheesy, but no, it's actually great. it's the heart of it. Yeah, I think it's great. And it doesn't, if you go into that, into every situation and your focus is on blessing the person, it takes the pressure off, it mm. takes the perfectionism away, it takes, you're not trying to prove anything. Mm. Just bless the people. Yeah, wow. Well. Thank you so much, Lynn. Uh, it's really been a, an honor for me to, to spend some time talking to you, to get to know you more. I really hope that people who listen to this um, yeah, got to know your heart and just what you stand for. And I can honestly say, just because I've experienced it and I've now heard the backstory that you walk the walk and you, you talk the talk. You know, you talk the talk and you walk the walk. I don't know if that's even yeah. the right expression, but, but you do it both ways. And yeah, thank you for, for your time and really um, how you live out that which you, which you are passionate about. So I'm trusting we'll have some part twos and part threes maybe in the future and even with Brett I, I said to him I want to talk to him about his book as well yeah. so thanks so much Lynn and thank you for your time yeah. with us and today thank you for the wonderful hospitality that you and the other people here at the fellowship have offered to us and it's really helped us feel at home in Melkbos so awesome. we appreciate that I'm glad that you that you that you felt that way yeah definitely awesome. thank you until next time yeah thanks very much bye bye